Well, good morning and welcome to Sunday at 10 at, uh, at New Community. And uh, wherever you're tuning in from, whether you're in the lounge room or your living room or the backyard shed, we want to welcome you here this morning. Um, because uh, if you're tuning in for the first time, well done, because we've only been doing this twice now. And so this is our second week of live streaming and a lot has transpired over the last week. And so if you're joining with us today, wherever you're joining us from, I just want to say welcome, glad to have you here with us. There's a few things that we just love covering here and want to really connect into over the next coming weeks or months, however long we're going to be live streaming for on a Sunday. And uh, they include the following. We want to gather together um, because in the midst of our pulling apart, we want to have a sense of connectedness together at New Community. The second thing we want to do is we want to engage together in the Bible. So if you have Bibles there, if you can go and reach for one, grab one, find one, do that, come on back again and we're going to engage in the Bible together. Third thing we want to do is be able to pray and worship together. And so <clears throat> what we have uh, listed within part of the, um, the emails that have gone out is a song that you can listen to beforehand in your groups or now that we're a bit more physically distant from one another by yourselves or with your family and then to be able to pray together and dial up with Zoom online and so all of these things are happening and the connections are being made and have been made over the last week and the coming weeks as well and of course we want to be able to serve together now we realize that that's going to happen remotely in fact last week we had a, um, <clears throat> a print off that you could go ahead and print off and it's a letterbox drop which sort of says uh, here I am I'm, I'm one of your neighbors and you drop them in people's letterboxes down the street and uh, if you are socially isolated or if you just need to uh, if perhaps you're a little bit more at risk um, I just want to offer my my help to you over the coming weeks and months so this is a really powerful way a really great way in which you can go ahead and feel like you are serving together as a community. In fact, this week I've received information from <clears throat> um, Eastern Volunteers as a number of their drivers have actually uh, been unable uh, to continue their work. They've reached out to us and they've said, could you, would there be a possibility of people within your community helping out and serve um, uh, Meals on Wheels um, and to connect to other vulnerable people? And I said, we'd love to do that. So if you are someone who has access to a car and you have available time, what we'd love you to do is in the coming weeks, we're gonna see if we can't go ahead and uh, connect in with the Eastern Volunteers and serve our community. These are the moments in which Jesus' followers can really, really shine. And I want to encourage you to be part of that. Uh, well, last week uh, we had uh, different groups meeting in the lounge rooms in the comfort of their home environment. This is the Bunsen's group just relaxing. I think with uh, more of the uh, regulations tightening though, they'll be either further apart or meeting a bit more remotely. So well done Bunsen's. We had the dads and kids getaway uh, on the Yarra River and here's some of their activities they're doing. Looks like fun floating down the river as well. And some really exciting news um, is that Tim and Amanda Swain or Amanda gave birth to little baby Max. And so if you are dialed in and with us this morning, Amanda and Tim, we just want to um, give thanks for the life of your little baby, Max. Um, we're sending you lots of virtual hugs right now, um, and we just want to celebrate his life as well. And so welcome um, to little Max. It's been just a, a pleasure to hear about that and that you are both doing well at this time um, too. Um, over the coming weeks and the past weeks, we've been looking at this series, The Jesus Way. And we've really been talking about the economies of God lived out amongst the economies of earth. What does that look like? 
Um, because Jesus, when he arrived, he talked about the arrival of a kingdom, of a kingdom that would one day manifest itself through the entire world, that God's real presence and glory and power would actually cover the land just like the waters cover the sea. And so Jesus came announcing a kingdom amongst the kingdoms of this earth. He announced the, the God's kingdom. And we've been unpacking that through traveling with the book of Luke. And as he's told the good news story about who Jesus is. And we're going to pick that thread up a little bit further with us today. In fact, last week we talked about defining moments. In uh, that there was this, this sense in which uh, we are in a space and a time right now that's a defining time. But we talked about defining moments in our own lives. Those moments in life that really cause us to stop and consider what are the most important things and defining moments are those times which really begs and asks a question of you. How will you respond in a defining moment, in a defining time? We're living in defining times right now. And this season is asking of us, who are you as a Jesus follower and how will you respond to the opportunities that are before you? Well, today what I want to talk about is a theme that's very relevant to our current situation. It's worry. I was speaking to one of the members of our, our church yesterday, one of our covenant people, and she said, I, I work in finance. And when I called her, I said, how's your week been? She said, my week has been horrible. I said, why is that? She said, you wouldn't believe the number of people that are calling in and asking about their financial situation. She said, I was talking to one particular man who has a robust kind of company of his own and, and he's fairly secure in his place right now. But for 10 minutes, I just listened to him as he broke down and cried. 30-year-old guy has been doing his business for some time. She said, the number of people that are calling in that are, are raising fears and anxieties and worries for us are just enormous. My week has been so difficult. And so we paused and we prayed and we talked about what does it look like to be a Jesus follower in the midst of worry so if you've been experiencing this or you've been other people experiencing this over the last week and last weeks then this morning is for you can't wait to share with you about the things that i sense god wants to speak to us about together when it comes to worries and anxieties in our lives and so why don't you just join me with me right now wherever you are lying down on a couch sitting in a chair out in the back shed why don't we just pause for a moment and ask God that he might speak to us most profoundly in this defining season when worries and anxieties seem to just rise up like mountains before us and hear what Jesus might speak to us about in this moment. So Father, we just come before you now. God, I ask and pray that whoever is listening, wherever they are listening, right now that you might speak to them. I ask that you might open up our hearts and minds, that you might speak to us. And God, right now in this moment, we just want to pause and bring our worries and concerns to you. And we ask that you might carry them for us. We give them to you. And we also want to thank you for the gift of life. We want to thank you for little Max. We want to thank you for the life that he, he has I want to pray for mum and dad and ask that you would strengthen them at this time. In fact, all of the community, our health workers, our leaders, those who are playing a point role in so many different places, 
I pray for each one of them and ask that you might give them your strength and your wisdom and your power to speak and to be strong in these times. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible there, would you go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 34. And as you are finding that space, Luke chapter 12, 22 to 34, I just want to tell you the backstory to this particular story that we're going to read together. You see, Jesus is in a crowd and someone within that crowd has called out to him these words. Jesus, would you judge between me and my brother when it comes to a land dispute? Would you divide the property that I've got coming to me or that I want coming to me? Would you help me out? And Jesus in that moment, hearing this cry from the crowd, this invitation for him to be a judge and an arbiter between two brothers. It's probably the younger brother that's wanting some of the property um, because someone has died in the family, maybe the father that he wants coming to him. And Jesus hearing these words, he calls back to the crowd and says this, Beware, beware of every form of greed because your life does not consist in the sum total of all of your possessions. You see, Jesus didn't want to be drawn into being a judge and an arbiter that would effectively divide brother and brother, family members, and split them down the middle. In fact, he pushed back the other way and said, beware of every form of greed, because I tell you what, the truth of the matter is that your life does not consist of the sum total of all of your possessions. And then he tells them a story. He says there was this farmer who had a bumper crop one year. And in that bumper crop, he, he said, what do I do with all of the excess stuff that I have, all this excess food? He says, I know what I'll do. I'm going to tear down the barns that I have. And what I'm going to do is build bigger ones and better ones that are going to store more things. And so he goes ahead and he does that. And then he says, after he's finished all storing all of his stuff, all of his bumper crop, he says that the farmer sits back and goes, wow, now I can relax. Now I can enjoy my life because I am secure for the rest of it. And he says, in that moment, Jesus says, you fool, don't you know that your life is required of you this very night? And then what will you do and who will have all of that stuff, all of the wealth, all of the extra bumper crop that you have actually accumulated because you can't take it with you. And if you haven't spent it in any real way on other people, what benefit is that to you? Someone else is going to get the stuff that you've just been storing. Wow. Jesus speaks to the crowd's profound words. In fact, what he's trying to say in that moment is that your life is not as predictable as what you had anticipated. In fact, you can accumulate all the different stuff and wealth and have a bumper crop and store it all up as much as you want, but that does not protect you from the vagaries of life. In fact, your life is far more uncertain than what you imagined. Your life is, is far less predictable than what you had considered. In fact, what Jesus was trying to get them to see was that security is not found in having things and stuff and the accumulation of it. We've realized that this week, that wealth and prestige does not protect you against coronavirus. You've heard of Prince Charles. All of his royalty, all of the excess, um, all of the palaces, all of the, the people at his disposal have not protected him against coronavirus. You might think, wow, I thought that royalty protected against those things. No, it doesn't. Let's think of Hollywood. 
Some of you would think, well, if I'm a Hollywood famous person, then, then I'm protected against the coronavirus because surely I have all these extra special powers. Well, Tom Hanks last week caught coronavirus. The very reality and the idea that my securities, that my wealth, that, that prestige and power and all these things protect us against these things is just not true. In fact, if you like, the truth is that our life is less certain than we had anticipated and that we can't predict all the things that are happening. And Jesus wanted to impress this upon them. And so he concluded and he said this, You fool, you fool, you fool, farmer, because you thought that security was found in the accumulation of stuff in your bumper crop and it so doesn't. And so Jesus, if you like, this story begs the question, which is a question for us today. In whom will you find your security? And where is security to be found in the midst of the worries and the anxieties of this defining moment? You take with me your Bibles and I'm going to read to you verses 22 to 34. And this is what it says. So let me tell you this, he said to the disciples. Don't be anxious about your life what you should eat, or about your body, what you should wear. You see, life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Think about the ravens. Think about the birds. They don't sow and they don't gather harvests. They don't have storehouses or barns, and God feeds them. How much more will he feed you? Think of the difference between yourselves and the birds. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a day to your lifetime? So if you can't even do a little thing like that, why do you worry about anything else? Think about the lilies and the way in which they grow. They don't work hard. They don't weave cloth. But let me tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was dressed up like one of them. So if that's how God clothes the grass in the field that's here today and in the fire tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you little faith lot. So don't go hunting about for what to eat or what to drink. And don't be anxious. You see, the nations of the world go searching for all of that kind of stuff. And your father knows that you need it. You see, this is what you should do. You should search for God's kingdom. And then all the rest will be given to you as well. Don't be afraid, little flock. For your father is delighted to give you the kingdom. What powerful words. What powerful words of Jesus to speak into a moment such as this. I love that first part where he says, so let me tell you this. Don't be anxious about your life, what you should eat or about your body or what you should wear. He says, life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. You see, Jesus turns to the very stable substance of our lives. He turns to the essentials of clothing that would keep us warm. And he, he turns to, to food that would nourish us. The two things that are essential for the everyday course of our lives, something to keep us warm and something to nourish our bodies so that we may stay alive and grow. And he says, once you have these two things, he says, don't you understand that life is more than just these two? And you understand this. In fact, in our culture, we've been living with, with the excesses of these things for decades and decades and decades. We, we don't quite understand what it was like for Jesus to speak to his context right in, in that particular time. Because in that particular place, Jesus was talking to people who were living by hand to mouth. 
They were an agricultural society. And if you like, they lived from day to day. We live, if you like, from week to week or month to month. They didn't have the refrigeration and the storage and the food security that we have these days. In fact, if you like, we can store up in our refrigerators food for a week or two weeks or three. We, we can put containers in, in, our, in, our, in our sheds or in our cupboards and, and, and they can contain food that might last for days, weeks, months or even years. And when Jesus was speaking these words, he was speaking to people who actually had to live by hand to mouth. And he says to them something profound. He says, I don't want you to be anxious about your life. Don't you know that your life is more than just food and your life is more than just clothing? And that he wants to point them to, he says, he points them to something that's, that's more profound. He says, I want you to consider and think about the big picture. He says, look at the birds. Take a minute to pause. When you're out walking this week, look at the birds. Consider them. He says, they don't have the capacity to plow he says, they don't have the capacity to reap a harvest. He says, they don't have the capacity to store food in barns. But look at them. He says, God provides food for them. And then he presses it a little bit deeper and he says, how much more valuable are you than the birds of the air? You see, what Jesus was trying to do is get people to think beyond the immediate and to look and consider a bigger picture and to consider a bigger God that might be around them, that cares for them, who considers that they are more important than the birds in the sky. In fact, Jesus pauses in this moment and he reflects upon a profound truth that you and I know to be true. He says this, which of you by being anxious can add a day to your lifetime? So if you can't even do a little thing like that, why worry about anything else? Now, as you're listening right here, pause for a moment and just think about something that you've been worrying about. You got it? Now, which of you that are sitting down on the couch or in the lounge room or maybe in the back shed, which of you has found the solution and the anecdote that can actually say that by worrying about that particular thing, you have added a minute, a day, a week to your life? No one, I bet. In fact, what we know to be profoundly true about worry is that it robs us of life. We know the things that add to life. If you eat well, if you exercise well, if you sleep well, if you have healthy relationships, they are the things that add value to our lives. If you like, they add days, months, and years to our lives. But has any of you ever figured out a solution to worry? Because the truth about worry is it gets you nowhere and it subtracts from your life. It doesn't add to it. Well, I know this better than anyone. A number of years ago when I was uh, into athletics, I would consider the race that was coming up, not just the day before, but I would think about it weeks before. So much so that by the time I got to the start line, I had run my race. <laughs> That's just the way it worked with me. I would get an idea about how I would perform in my mind and I would ruminate on it and I would think about it and I would think about it and I would lose sleep and I would lose energy. And by the time I got to the start line, I had exhausted myself before I'd even started the race. Many of you know exactly what I'm thinking and talking about right now. 
The idea that then we catch on to our worry, we ask that question that so easily can roll on in like a domino effect and just can escalate and escalate. And the simple phrase is, what if? What if I lose my job? What if I can't pay my bills? What if the mortgage can't be allowed for and sustained? What then? And so easily when we get ourselves caught up in that kind of thinking that just comes so naturally to us, we do what comes so very real to us is we call it catastrophizing. And in our human psyche, what we don't tend to do is think for the most viable option. What we tend to do is magnify things and we think of the worst thing that can happen. So psychologists call this catastrophizing. That little domino effect that when it starts to hit and hit and hit, sooner or later we go to the worst place straight away. I'm out on the street. I can't provide for my family. There's no opportunity left for me. Life is doomed. And so easily we can connect into that kind of thinking. I know how it works. You know how it works. That's called catastrophizing. In fact, one of the challenges that we have and that Jesus is trying to press into those people, and in that moment when you start to think about the what if, what I want you to do is catch hold of that thought and acknowledge it. And then what I want you to do is think about the birds of the air. I want you to think that, that there is a God, that there is a Father in heaven who actually loves you and he is powerful and that he can supply your needs even before you've thought of them yourself. There's a God who loves. There's a God who's real. There's a God who's powerful. What Jesus was trying to say is that worry is simply unproductive. And then he presses a little bit further and he says, I want you to consider the flowers. I want you to think of the flowers for a moment. When's the last time that you stopped and you saw and you actually paused and looked at a flower? He says, I want to tell you this, that those flowers are so covered in glorious sort of garments that you would not believe. He says, those flowers, they can't spin on wheels. They can't manufacture clothing. They, they can't make their own clothes. But what they can do is this, is that God... He actually refines them and he actually clothes them and he actually dresses them in magnificent clothing. He said, in fact, Solomon in all of his great glory wasn't dressed as wonderful as the flowers are in the field. In fact, I think Jesus would say, you say, Laurent, they have nothing on the way in which God can actually close the flowers. Get the best stuff of Prada, nothing on what God closed the flowers in. Get Get the finest clothing from Burberry. And I tell you what, God has clothed flowers better than any of the best fashion houses in the world. He says to tell you, if the grass grows and it's here one day and it fades the next, how much more valuable are you than the flowers of the field? Jesus presses and he says, I want you to consider that there's a God who thinks that you are more valuable than they, even amidst your worry. So let me just clarify here about what Jesus is not saying. Well, the first thing Jesus is not saying is that worry is wrong. In fact, there's a good kind of worry. You go to step out onto the road and the first 
thought that comes into your mind is, is there another car coming? There's a, a good worry. So it causes you to stop and pause and look both ways. There's a good worry that says, did I turn the gas off of the stove? There's a good worry that says, did I get my assignment in on time? Those things are good worries. They're there to help us, if you like, in life. But there's also a bad worry, the kind of worry that catastrophizes and jumps to the worst place. And there's a kind of worry that gets so preoccupied with thinking that if I collect enough stuff in my life, or if I have enough barns, if I have enough storage, if I have enough wealth, then it will mitigate against all of the unpredictability and vagaries of life. And Jesus is wanting to speak into that. Well, the second thing that Jesus is not saying is, I want you to be irresponsible. That is the idea that says, well, God's got my back. I don't need to do this physical distancing thing because really he's got my back. He's going to fix all the stuff in my life. <laughs> well, I want to remind you is that God's no fool. And yeah, he does pick up on a lot of our sort of mistakes and sort of fill in the gaps, but we shouldn't test him at the same time. doesn't mean that we can be irresponsible in our lives. That's not what Jesus is saying. The third thing in which Jesus is not saying is that if you ask God that you're going to get everything that you want in life. In fact, in our culture right now, what's happening is that there's this, this, is, this reprioritization that's happening, this rationalization across all of our workforces. And what's being asked of us right now is to really consider what are the most valuable things in life? It's happening right now. In fact, the staff at New Community as of Monday are going through our own prioritization and rationalization. And we're thinking ahead and wondering, what is that going to look like? And if we want to get everyone with us and keep everyone on the staff with us in, and keep us in the boat over the next three, four, five, six months, we're going to have to make some decisions as of this week. And so a number of us are going to be halving our jobs. And a number of us are going to be taking, um, uh, if you like, tightening our belts so that we can together carry everyone through in this season and what's ahead. If you like, what's happening across our global um, force right now is that all of us are being asked the question, what is most valuable? And I can tell you, watching My Kitchen Rules or Pooch Perfect are probably not the highest things on our priorities. In fact, in life of all of those things, what's happening right now is that people are saying, what are the most valuable things to us? And decidedly, people are saying the relationships and the people around about me, they're the most things that are available right now. And so, if you like, our world and our culture and our society right now is trying to figure out the difference between wants and needs. And so what Jesus is trying to, if you like, press into us, press into those people at the time, is that when you find yourself caught up in worry, I want you to be in the practice of thinking of the birds of the air and thinking about the flowers in the fields and that there is a God who values you even more. So I want you to be in the practice of grabbing hold of those thoughts that can so easily, the what if that can escalate. And if you like, then give that over to God. Give it up, give it over. It doesn't mean that you don't think about it doesn't mean that you're being irresponsible. doesn't mean that you don't do the good kind of worry and planning ahead. But what it means is that you begin to build and exercise a muscle called trust and faith in God for such a season as this. Well, Jesus presses a little bit further. And he says, I don't want you to keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink. And I don't want you to keep 
worry and that kind of excess striving and that excess hunting which says if I can just gather more stuff to me whilst everyone is doing that if I could just gather that more then I'll be secure he says no I want you to find your security in a heavenly father who loves and gives and is present to you you know, I know some of you are sitting there right now and going sure Jesus you see you don't have bills to pay and Jesus, you haven't lost your job. And Jesus, you don't have a mortgage to pay and you don't have a family to feed. I think this is the moment, if you like, in the critical part of the text where Jesus leans in and he exhales a little and he says these words. You see, for it is the nations of the world, the kingdoms of the earth that strive for all these things, thinking that in them you will find a security. He says, but I want you to know this. Your father knows. He says, your father knows. He knows what you need. He does. He knows. He knows. He knows. And he is like a shepherd he is a powerful creator God. He has defeated death itself and he gives life and he knows. So what I want you to do is cling to him. Run to him. Give your worries to him because he knows. And then he says this, Instead, strive for his kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, living amongst the kingdoms of the earth right now, the incentive that we have and the knee-jerk reaction we have is to gather. And as people's doors are closing, it's so easy for our hearts to close as well. And what Jesus is saying to them, that community, that culture that lives by hand to mouth, he says, what I want you to do is rather than look sideways and do what everyone else is doing, storing up and accumulating and closing doors, what I want you to do in this season, in this moment right now, is open your hearts and believe that there's a God who knows and what I want you to do is not build for the kingdoms of the earth right now, is in this season, in this defining moment, what I want you to do is build for the kingdoms of this heaven. And so that's why he says these words near the end. He says, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. Therefore, what I want you to do is sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes and near and no moth destroys. And we look at ourselves and we say, what on earth are you talking about, Jesus? And he says this. He says, in this season, in this defining moment where you want to, your, your, your natural inclination is to want to accumulate and say, I've got savings. I've got stuff that will get me through that can so easily harden your heart and, and turn inwardly just so you look after your own self-interest and you accumulate to just look after yourself. He says, what I want you to do is just the opposite. What I want you to do is not sell all of your houses and your possessions so that you now live on the street. What I want you to do though 
is make a purse that doesn't wear out. That is, I want you to be generous in the face of, of accumulation. What I want you to do is be loving when other people's hearts might grow cold. Why? Because if everyone does that, and could you imagine what kind of world we would live in? He says, but no, what I want you to do, people, what I, what, what I want you to do, kingdom bringers, what I want you to do, those people who trust in a father who knows what I want you to do is I want you to think about redistributing what you have for the benefit of others. Not so that you are now on the street, but so that you share. The mathematics of heaven is if you have two and someone who has none and you see someone who has none, what I want you to do is take one that you have and give away to someone else for such a season as this. You see, new community, for such a season as this, some of you have savings right now that you have accumulated. You have a house, you have clothing, you have food, you have a car, you have resources. And for such a time as this, God is asking of us to be generous and make purses that do not wear out. And if you like, show and demonstrate that you are building towards another kingdom amongst the kingdoms of this earth. You see, some of you are going to be the answers to other people's prayers that you are working beside that you don't even know yet. Because some of you are going to say, I actually have savings right now. And God's going to tap you on the shoulder. And he's going to say, I want you to give some of that away. And someone else might look at you and say, what on earth? You're going to take a hit? And you're going to look back at them and you're going to say, actually, that's kingdoms of the earth kind of thinking. I want to build towards the kingdoms of the heaven, which means I want to sow a purse. I want to distribute what I have to other people in need because that is what my father is like. He gives and he gives and he gives. The reality is, is that savings was never yours in the first place. The house was never yours in the first place. The car was never yours in the first place. It was only on loan from God. And so we are entering into a season right now of generosity, a season of trusting in God that's going to expand and strengthen your faithing and your trusting. And God is going to use you in powerful ways to distribute and build for his kingdoms amongst the kingdoms of this earth. New community, the good news of Jesus shouts most loudest in this season and this time. And so Jesus says, I want to shift your source of security. I want you to shift your source of security and lean into God who's a father who knows and trust him in ways you haven't trusted him before. And in so doing, you will grow and you will build and God will use you in ways that you have never dreamt of before. And we do it together. Jesus never said a truer word than this. The truth is, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So let me ask you and finish with this. Where is your treasure? Where is your source of hope and security? Where is your hope? You can trust in God. If you're here this morning and your first time you haven't heard anything about Jesus, I wanted to tell you this. Jesus loves you he died for you and he rose again so that you do not have to fear death and you can get on with life he will fill you with his spirit and he will use you to partner with his father in transforming this world until he comes again 
If you've never heard the good news of Jesus, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done or has been done to you, if you open your heart to him and you welcome him in, he will come in. And the new world that began when Jesus rose from the grave that we celebrate in two weeks' time will come alive in you and you'll be welcomed into his family. You'll be set firm on your feet and he will transform your heart and mind and he wants you to join with him in building for his kingdom that one day will come here on earth just as it is in heaven. It's been good to be together this morning. Wherever you are right now, what I would encourage you to do is pause for a moment, click on the song that's been provided and listen to the voice of God in what he is saying to you. Ladies, Ellie's got a message for you. Go to the NCR Women's site. Loves to chat with you. And then what I want you to do is after you've listened to that song, dial up into your Zoom groups and pray for one another and encourage one another. And I look forward to connecting with you next week. Have a great week.